This is an IQ test. If you're too stupid to understand this, instead, you're thoroughly brainwashed by governments that think global warming is caused by your car, your hibachi, um, you breathing too much and cow farts. You're too stupid for this discussion at all. It's like I woke up in the insane asylum and the patients have taken over and taken over academia too. Like I said, they've institutionalized stupidity for the one purpose of gaining money. If there was nobody on the planet, this still would be going on. It, we're seeing this thing happen on other planets in our solar system. There's nobody there. They're not driving any cars. This is going to be a lot of earthquakes um, because between the upper mantle and the crust, it's going to be more fluid and liquid, more hurricanes and more tornadoes. And it's all due to the output from the sun. This is the end of days, literally. And I'm basically trying to help people so they save their lives, so somebody can save their lives. You see something that's wrong or evil, you should say it. Tell people. Greetings, we are happy to welcome you at the program Experts Opinion. We conduct interviews with experts and scientists on the platform of Creative Society. Creative Society is an international worldwide project, the aim of which is to unite humanity's potential, including scientific potential, and change the format of society from the consumption-based to a creative one. On the series of the events, Global Crisis, we raise accurate issues regarding the climate situation true cause of climate change and different environmental and social issues that we deal with in society today. And the most important, that we talk about the ways out of this situation. We continue to raise these topics on the international forum, Global Crisis. We are people, we want to live, and we invite everyone to watch this unprecedented event. My name is Irene, and I give the floor to Alex. Welcome, dear viewers. And I'm honored uh, to introduce today our guest, Douglas Vogt, science writer, researcher, and professional member of the Geological Society of America. Douglas Vogt offers 60 major scientific discoveries or reinterpretation, re 60 major biblical discoveries. Douglas Vogt has been studying the cause of the uh, geomagnetic rever uh, reversals and ice ages since 1979. He's the first person to discover why ice age happens immediately after the reversal. Vogue's research sho shows that um, there is periodical global warming, but it's due to solar activity, not mankind or CO2. He discovered the exact number of years between polar reversals, which is 12,068 uh, years. Douglas Vogt is the author of numerous books, and some of which of them are God's Day of Judgment, The Real Cause of Global Warming, published in uh, 2007, and The Theory of Multidimensional Reality in 2015. Douglas, uh, we are happy to see you today, and uh, can you please share with us about your research and the presentation? Thank you for inviting me. Um, and uh, I put together a, uh, a PowerPoint display that basically goes through how I discovered this clock cycle, which is what most people are interested in, how I discovered this thing and what it took over years to put all the pieces together to come up with an exact number of years as well as 
the date of when this geomagnetic reversal is going to happen. It's also known popularly as a polar reversal, but it's technically called a geomagnetic reversal. It's the clock cycle. And you'll understand what I mean. So uh, I guess we'll go to the, the first screen. That's a copy of my first book, Reality Revealed, copyright 1977. The first time it, uh, in history, anybody explained and expanded on an information theory of existence, that the universe is the product of information and that uh, the matter world is a product of this information that's basically creates it. And uh, I'm the first one in history to ever develop something like this. But while I was doing it, it also realized it, it, it did explain what causes the ice age and why the ice age happens immediately after a polar reversal. Now, I'll explain the, the most important. The problem that physics and science has is a philosophical problem. We inherited a matter-oriented theory of existence from Aristotle. But if anyone watches my video series 12, part one, you'll see there were eight authors to Aristotle. The, the original Aristotle was a Greek admiral in Alexander the Great's Navy, and only one author, Greek author, mentions him. That's all. All the rest started with Romans, basically. And I identified all eight of them. And uh, so you have a chance to see it. If you're a scientist, a physicist, it's going to be an eye-opener for you how you wind up. It Basically, what the Pisos did is destroy physics. That's what they did by giving everybody a different viewpoint. Now, the picture you got here is a, a picture of the end picture of an 18,000-piece puzzle. If anybody wanted to waste that much time putting one together. So, but they give you the picture. The picture is analogous to a philosophy. If you have the wrong philosophy, the wrong picture, then you pick up a piece, which is a phenomena, but you don't know where to fit, where, it put, where to put it. You don't know how it fits together. The philosophy gives you the ability to pick up a phenomena or see a phenomena and know where that fits in reality. That's the problem. It's a philosophical one. The picture on the right-hand side is what I thought. Uh, it shows the clock cycle, where I thought it was roughly 12,000 years. This is in my first book, 1977. And the, the, the rings represent every 12,000 years. The, the curly Q thing in the middle is the galaxy, our galaxy. So what I'm saying there is that whenever you hit one of these timelines, the, you should see a star that Nova. But when I wrote the book, we, we didn't have any ability to see that. Uh, there was no V838 and others that, that were Noving right on one of those timelines. It was only later that with the Hubble telescope and others that we were able to figure it out. On the left-hand side, though, I came across what they call Bach globulars. Now they call planetary nebula. No, and they're not the beginnings of a star. That's not, not, not what a planetary nebula is. It's a star that's just nova. Now, a star that's smaller than ours or the size of the sun, or a little bit larger, I th said, okay, maybe when a star novas, the dust shell goes out and you don't see it for a while, 
because maybe for 500 or 1,000 years, because the dust shell conceals the light from the, from the star itself. So I said, okay, <clears throat> maybe that's where the problem. Now, Baclavulus, Baclavulus is the name of the astronomer, but it was actually his, his female assistant that, that discovered it, but he got the credit, <clears throat> which now tells you what goes on in academia. They steal ideas. Anyway, uh, they found over 450 in all directions of our solar system. And they were between 11, uh, this is by triangulation, uh, between 11 to about 13,000, 14,000 light years away. So I said, hmm, that sounds right. So what I did, I went to University of Washington and I got, they had a catalog, I think it was Sky Telescope 2000 survey. That's a star, V838, that NOVA, it was 24,000 light years away when it nova And there's a dust shell as it expanded. This is a very big star, so it blew it out pretty far, so we were able to see the center of this thing. This is a copy of my database. Now, I, I gave this database also to uh, a physicist, uh, August Dunning. And I, I marked on, on the thing here where the blank periods were. Here's where the blank periods are. The graph shows how many stars are estimated to be in, in each one of those databases. Now, what's interesting is when they get to 12,000 light years away, they can, they can see one particular star, a small one. But after that, there were all open clusters and globular clusters. Globular clusters contain tens of thousands of stars. The other one could be a few hundred. But the point is, you needed enough light for us to even see it through the dust that's in our galaxy. So anyway, there's the, there's the uh, six blank pairs that I found. There is the, the list of the, the, the six different cycles and how far each one was from the, you know, the beginning of the first blank period to the beginning of the next blank period. And so it's 12,068 years uh, for four of the six. The first one is between a fixed point, us, and the first blank period. And so I asked an astronomer, what do you think the, the error rate is in uh, the um, light shift? which is what they use for determining distance or how fast it's going away from us. And he said, he thought about 10%. It turned out to more like about two and a half percent error in the light fish uh, shift uh, calculation, which isn't too bad. This is a lot of August Dunning. I gave him my database and uh, of all known open clusters, stars and, and uh, globular clusters in our galaxy, he modeled it also. And he confirmed, yep, you got six blank periods in space, and they should be there. Now, there's stars there, millions of them, but how come we don't see them? This is, now, that's one way. It was 1989 that I discovered the blank periods. Um, and uh, the other way was this. Now, what you're looking at is sunspot cycles and also the Gleisberg cycle. The Gleisberg cycle has eight sunspot maximums. And uh, they progressively get worse until the 8th, and it drops down. The last Gleisberg cycle was December, January of 1957, January 58. In December, it was like five days that there was over 350 uh, sunspots. That's a lot. <laughs> In fact, uh, it was the growing season was extended by 30 days. 
That's called global warming. What was it due to? The sun, not CO2. <clears throat> but so eight sun split cycles, 88.73 years, and that's a Gleisberg cycle times 136 gives you 12,068 years. So here's the second way I discovered this 12,068 number, both scientifically. The other way was geological evidence, which I'm going to cover next. What you're looking at is two ice cores. The one on the left-hand side, see that black band in there? That's about 12,000 years ago. The one on the right also is 12,000 years ago. And you have this dark layer caused by the dust shell of the sun when it expelled after the middle of about 17 to 18 hours later, the dust shell hits us just to make life more miserable for us. And depending on where they took the ice cores, one is in uh, Antarctica, the other one I think may be Greenland, but you get an idea of this is worldwide and, and the ice cores tell the story right, right off the bat. Now, what they, in the ice cores, they say, well, there's a higher concentration of CO2. Folks, get smart real fast. If the sun nova's on one part of the earth, what do you think is going to happen with every organic material on the surface? It'll burn. What's the byproduct of burning? Carbon monoxide and carbon dioxide. Gee, now you know where the increased spike in CO2 is, where it came from. This is CO2, um, carbon-14 dating of organic material and seashells and stuff like that found worldwide. This is from the journals Nature and Science. The reference is on the right-hand side. Uh, <coughs> the years, BP means before present. And you can see it all kind of hovers around that 12,000-year cycle. Um, there's a plus or minus in there, and I didn't have the room on the graph to show that, but you see in 12,000 year dating, 24,000, below that 48,000, 48,000, that to be four cycles back. Here's more material, more organic stuff, um, peat bogs, shell layers, mollusks, stuff like that. Anything that had a lot of car uh, carbon in it. And again, 12,000, 24,000, 36,000, and 48,000. By the way, I could have had hundreds more, but I was already getting, that book already has, I think, 26 pages of endnotes just for chapter eight. So I figured, okay, that may be overkill. Here's 60,000, which would be five cycles back, and then 72,000, which is six cycles back. Again, I could have had hundreds more. That just may do that just out of spite. <laughs> do another book, just loading up with that. I'm going to explain why. You're going to have an increase in volcanoes. I'll explain that a little later. <clears throat> so the volcanoes go off, but you're able to date material that, an, that a lahar or lava went over and then burned a log or whatever. And they find it in, in the um, sediment below. This is dating organic material that was found under lahars or, or uh, lava. And again, they all group around 12,000, 24. 36,000. There's one more, 48,000 and 60,000. They're, they're harder to find evidence like this because why bother? I mean, the scientist has so much time. Is he going to go plow through a bunch of uh, lava flows to try to find a log that's got 
part burned and trying to do a carbon 14 dating. Remember, remember that I told you about a, a piece of phenomena. You have to know to, to do the carbon 14 dating of something like this. And it costs money to, to have it done. So again, I showed you a bunch of stuff on the earth. Now this is earth and moon. The stuff on the right-hand side and left were from the journal Science. And unfortunately, they only gave me a black and white picture of it. But these are the glass beads that are thrown off by the sun on that dust shell when it hits us or the moon. And it both the, the dumbbell side on, on the left-hand side is when you have <clears throat> two of these things and they kind of stick together. It's almost like, it's like they call them a glass. They're like, tac they are tactites, uh, they're micro-tactites. Um, 0.1 millimeters to one or two millimeters. That's how big they are. They found them on the moon. They found them in sediment layers on the earth and also on Mars. They're called, I think, Mars blueberries. That cute. Stuff on the right-hand side is uh, the, the same material, glass beads from the moon. Now, they found all different colors. One area they found a lot of green because it had either magnesium or an element in there that made it green. The left-hand side is from Chesapeake Bay and golden colors, brown. The same thing they found on the moon toll also. They found golden colors, clear, stuff like that. Now, they're not from impact craters. There's enough journal articles out there that disprove that theory soundingly. And it's basically, they had fishing tracks in them, in these glass beads, as well as about four or five radioactive elements, beryllium-10, aluminum-26, and uh, uh, iron-60, and a few others that can only come from relativistic temperatures, like an atomic bomb. It's from the sun, and it, the only way you can get the fission tracks and these radioactive elements, that's not an impact crater. Forget it. Here is dating. It was actually the depth of the ocean after the reversal where they've done carbon-14 dating on organic material. And what I wanted to find out was how many feet of ocean water was evaporated during this, the last Nova. It comes out to, a depending on location, about 450 feet. And it was like that for a long time. So you can see here from different locations and what they took it and where they estimated the age of it before present and where they found the material. Now, remember, some places they didn't find anything, but it doesn't mean the water level didn't go down that far. But um, uh, you can tell, and the reference number is on the right-hand side. If you, if you get the book, you'll actually see what the reference is. But it's all mostly from Journal Nature and Science and Geology and a few others. Here's more of the same from Gulf of Mexico, Mediterranean, Pacific Ocean. This is basically worldwide. I did a graph of what it would look like and what the data showed. Now, I dropped this thing down to a thousand feet. I don't think it, I hope it doesn't go down. That much gets evaporated immediately. It may be in the order of like 500 feet or 600 feet, but nobody really knows because, you know, it depends on what side of the earth is facing. If it's mostly ocean, you're gonna have a lot of evaporation. So, uh, you can see over time that the oceans were down a long time, like four or 500 years. Now, if the ocean's down that far, guess where all that water was? 
It was on the land in the form of ice and glacial snow. I mean, that's the, the earth was white, except by where the equator is. That's where I tell people, you got to build any shelters, make sure it's within 15 degrees of the equator, <clears throat> but not exactly on the equator by one or two degrees. I think I have another issue, which I covered it in one of my videos in series four. So, but you need the warmer water to mediate some of the snow and therefore ice. Uh, otherwise you wind up, you know, you'll wind up with a, the cave. This is the problem the federal government had. You wind up at a cave that's covered by one to maybe four, or maybe even 5,000 feet of glacial ice. You can't get out. It becomes your tomb. Not very good planning, huh? They didn't think this one out too good. This is the non-scientific stuff of how I found this, this dating stuff. And it's from the Torah, Genesis. And you have to read it very carefully and understand what you're looking at. And maybe because I'm, I'm Jewish, I think differently. And I thought more of concentrating on, on this book than others. And uh, so anyway, when you read it carefully, the story is repeated twice about the genealogies. Now, the, one of the reasons I went to this in Deuteronomy, it says that um, uh, Moses is writing the surface story. And he says, remember the years of many generations. So he's pointing back to Genesis, towards the beginning of Genesis. <coughs> so you read it carefully. So what this graph shows, thanks to Excel, it, it was, I want to know which generation of, of, uh, of the, these people were still were alive when Adam was still alive. So that's what this represents. And, and, and then you realize that Methuselah is the last guy. So I totaled from Adam to Methuselah, how late it says they lived. And it comes out to 5,974. Now, the story repeats it twice of the ages and stuff like that. So it's implying double the number. So I doubled it. I got 11,948. The very next verse, um, Genesis 6, 3, it says, uh, man found the daughters of uh, fair of skin, but you're only going to live 120 years. So I added 120 to that number, and look what I got, 12,068. This is from Shem, who was alive just before the, the cataclysm to Terah with the father of, Abra of Abraham. And two different ways. You total the total number of years, and you have to take into account the years before or after the flood. So totaling the column there, it comes out to 2968 times two, because the story repeats it twice. So 5936 plus the, the 90, 98 years before the flood, you wind up with 6,034, that's half of 12,068. Times two gives you the 12,068. But the other surprise was when you total the stuff horizontally going across, it totaled 12,068. So you get 12,068 two different ways, but the number is embedded 
in the entire Torah, which you're about to see, the number of chapters and verses in the five books of Moses, the Torah, is 6,034, not by accident. They're trying to pound this number, really the 12,068, into your head. Now, this gives you an example. I figured out the length of the sacred cubit. It's most of the, the Egyptian royal cubit, but the width of your hand. But I explained in um, my book, uh, Moses 10 Code Systems, how I derived it and figured it out. But when you take all of the dimensions that are in the Torah, all of them, plus many of the other numbers too, and you multiply it by the 24.136, you wind up with either 3,017, which is a quarter of the number, 6,034, then 12,068, two times the number is 24,204. Uh, I'm sorry, 24,136, and then finally three times the number. <laughs> and it goes through, like, through the whole thing. If, if the number doesn't show up at the beginning, you, you multiply or divide by 12, and you wind up with the number shows up. And you ignore the decimal point. It's the sequence of numbers that counts. That's the only thing that matters. That's what that pounding into your head is this number, this root number. By the way, in, in the book, God's Day of Judgment, I literally have, I go through the whole thing. The Torah is actually loaded. And not much in, a little bit in, in Joshua, but in Second Kings, then it kind of, kind of drops out of sight until uh, Baruch is writing as Ezekiel. Here again is chapters and verses. As you can see, the Torah is 6,034. And the rest of the books that we call the Hebrew scriptures totals 24,136, two times the number. The Hebrews, the Jews, first and second century had a real problem with the Calpurnius Pisos of Rome. And was it what he wrote? He added a bunch of books. He's the one who wrote them and his son, one of his sons. And so what the Jews did, they renumbered Psalms differently than the Catholic version of the book. <clears throat> they did also with Proverbs and with Lamentations. So when you total from Joshua to Psalms, it totals 12,068. The other books from Proverbs, the second, the first, second Chronicles, first Chronicles are written by the Pisos, totals 3,017 which is a quarter of the number. And Piso's five, six books dangling out there, not totaling anything. That's how they separated. But it told me this, at the first century and second century, they knew about the number 12,068. The rabbis evidently made a deal with the Pisos, can't be more than 24,136 chapters and verses in the Hebrew scriptures. And they kept the deal. <clears throat> There's no evidence they knew what that 12,068 represented. It does, there's no evidence that shows it. This is what you're going to expect to see before the event happens. <clears throat> now, on the right-hand side, I'm trying to show the model of what's going on in the center of the sun, of the earth, rather. You have a center modulation point. It's not a, a solid iron core. That's nonsense that somebody came up with from 1900 or 18-something playing with a bar magnet, say, gee, it must be a bar magnet in the center of the earth. And it's stuck for all these years. It's wrong. And many people know it already. <clears throat> anyway, the center modulation point, 
as you get closer to the reversal, you have a collapsing magnetic field, which is what's happening now. It's exponentially collapsing. And besides, it moves, but I'll cover that later. <clears throat> so it heats up, and the heat percolates through the, the lower mantle, the upper mantle. And then finally, what happens, you'll wind up with, you know, these, these cavities with magma in it start getting bigger and hotter. And you're going to have more and more volcanoes going off, which is the case now. There's over 25 or 30 volcanoes going off now. <clears throat> the worst will be about a year to two years after sunspot maximum. We're going to have a lot of these things going off. And there'll also be an increase in earthquakes. That's the picture on the bottom. And uh, I don't think that's an example of Chinese architecture and construction, but it might be. Who knows? You know, like I said, this is going to be a lot of earthquakes because between the upper mantle and the crust, it's going to be more fluid and liquid. So you can have the moon on one side, the sun on another, maybe enough to release some pressure someplace and let these plates start moving more. You're going to have a lot more earthquakes. Yeah, on the left-hand side, you have a graph of how the magnetic field is collapsing. And uh, it doesn't have to go to zero nanoteslas when it reverses. The, the um, lava, remnant magnetization in the lavas have shown about 15,000, maybe 20,000. So I, I put the line there at 20,000, but it may be lower, maybe 15,000. On the right-hand side shows you the the traditional model of a bar magnet in the center of our earth. Yeah, right, sure. But this is this is really what's going on right now. Picture on the left-hand side is courtesy of the, Jap the Japanese today, uh, a study of where the magnetic pole was in the past. The only thing that got wrong was the time it takes to go from those three points that you see there. But those are the three locations where the Earth's magnetic field has been during reversals. Now, we were by Canada before. And he's not exactly correct on where it was located. It wasn't between Canada and Greenland. It was more like Hudson's Bay Area. But I forgive them for the data they were using and what they were trying to accomplish. <clears throat> it's now going towards Russia around Nova Zimbla. That's that little piece of land there where I got the red dot on the right-hand side. And it's moving there. It's past the geographic North Pole, and it's moving about between 45 to about 54 miles per year. So it'll reach around that area when the, rever the next Gleisberg cycle is. That, that, <clears throat> now, time-wise, the next Gleisberg cycle will be between September and December 2046. Now, you're going to get a shocker in a few minutes of how that number came up. But uh, the solar cycle you look at as a resynchronizing frequency. For those who are into computers, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The, the Gleisberg cycle is a synchronizing frequency. And then finally, they're all geared to the main clock cycle of 12,068 years. Now, what you're seeing here on the lower right of, of the globe is the, those um, curves is showing the direction of where the magnetic pole is going. <clears throat> and it's going towards, like where I said, around Nova Zimbla, in that direction, a little bit further east of Nova Zimbla, but in that area. That's where it's going. 
and where it came from is on the backside of it, 180 degrees off. <laughs> it gives you an idea. That's why I know the, the Japanese were a little bit off, but I forgive them. They did a wonderful job. What to expect and, and what, to, what you will see before the reversal. This is where sometimes it actually gets funny. Holding U.S. Treasuries, beware. Uncle Sam can't account for $21 trillion. One thing I could say about the United States, when we do it, we do it big. We don't, we don't mess around with small stuff at all. <clears throat> this is what we built. These are bunkers. Now, really, they were built um, starting around Nixon's administration and later. And that's what they spent the money on. I've been told by somebody who would know, he thinks it's well more, a lot more than $21 trillion. It's, it's a question of, they don't want to, they hide the money in, in HUD, that's housing and urban development, and uh, Homeland Security, Defense Department, CIA, that's where they, they bury the money. One of the things you'll see is at some point, that sun's, our sun is going to expand, and you'll no longer have a perfect eclipse of the sun during a, a, a solar eclipse. You're going to get something that's going to look like a white sidewall tire. And they'll have lots of explanations for it. You're in the, not in the right spot. Everything you can think of. But at some point, no matter how dumb the society is, they're going to know, oh, shit, we're in trouble. Now, you're going to have more hurricanes and more tornadoes. And it's all due to the output from the sun. And this is why. Sun's output increases. It's going to increase more evaporation of the oceans. Oceans heat up. You'll have more hurricanes and also storms and tornadoes. More, evapor more evaporation of ocean water, more rain and storms. Now, the graph on the bottom shows the, the number of tornadoes in the United States have gone up since 1946. 58 was Gleisberg cycle. And from 58 up, it's gone straight up. It's, a, it's a pretty obvious. This is during this Gleisberg cycle. From 1958 on, the sun is really active and going to increase. It may have its ups and downs. Sometimes it'll have a sunspot cycle that's low. That doesn't mean the sun has gone to sleep. Trust me on this one. It means for some reason, the mechanism inside the sun is not as great hitting us than it did in another previous cycle. And you'll have more hurricanes because ocean water is going to heat up and you get that. And on the Southeast Asia, you wind up with typhoons. On the right-hand side is uh, dated 1989, and it's a uh, glacier. It's called Linda Glacier. I think that was in Colorado, but I, I don't know. It really doesn't matter. This is going to be the case for all glaciers worldwide. And the picture on the left-hand side is, 19, is, is 2017, October. You can see how much has melted. They were both taken in, in October of the, that year. So it's a good comparison. This will be October 15th, they say. So you can see that the glaciers are going to be melting. And why? Because the sun's output is increasing. Has nothing to do with mankind, CO2 at all. By the way, another source of CO2 
in the sedimentary layers would be also more volcanoes going off. It gives, gives off a whole bunch of chemicals, including CO2. Here's a perfect example, 100% correlation between sunspot maximum and the, and the increase in sea level changes. The blue is sea level, the red is the sun. And you can see there's 100% correlation between, between the two of them. It all has to do with the sun. What kind of bothered me was in my first book, Reality Deals, chapter 11 deals with um, mythologies from around the world. I think it's 110 and 20 pages. And I spent uh, 11 months in the UCLA stacks reading all of them <clears throat> all over the world. And these are pyramid from China, um, Bosnia, I think was one of the the lower picture is a bunch of pyramids in China stretched over 10 mile distance. This is in the Americas. The one on the right hand side is from Washington, Mississippi. Clearly you see a pyramid shape there. The left hand side is from Boulder County, Mississippi. This is a uh, pyramid large, never finished though, from St. Louis, Missouri. Now some may have been dated not 12,000 years ago. Maybe some cycle was hitting the sun that they thought it was going to happen again. They started building it. I don't know if they carbon-14 dated this particular one, but you can clearly see it's a square, rather large pyramid. But when they start building out of dirt, it tells you they were building out of haste. question is, is why did they worldwide? I showed you stuff in Americas. They're also in South America, as well as Asia. And, and uh, well, obviously the most obvious is in, in, in Egypt and Africa. So the question is, what told everybody to start building pyramids. And the other one I, I forgot to include in the pictures is cave systems, both in Turkey, in the Americas, all over. They all started going underground. So you have to ask yourself, okay, what event told them to do this? The, the Carrington event happened in 1859, 1858. That's about one year before or a few months uh, after the sunspot maximum. So I went I went forward back to starting from 1958, the last Gleisberg cycle. <clears throat> and then I saw what kind of record they had out there. Now we know what happened in 58, tremendous number of sunspots. And so I wanted to know for that. So here, the sunspot maximum was uh, 1991 and uh, May 31st, 1991. But in March, uh, and 89, two years before, he had a solar flare, big one. <clears throat> then in January 2002, that was the one before the next solar cycle, which was July 4th, 2002, you had a CME um, from the sun. That was a big one. January 4th, 2002, a few months away, six months away. Then April 2001, largest solar storm. And then October 3rd, they also had one, uh, a solar flare, big one. <clears throat> Next sunspot cycle, August 7th. This is my calculations of when the sunspot maximum would have been. September 2nd, hey, that's my birthday. Uh, 2009, worst solar storm ever. And then we get into 2024. What I think happened and why these people 12,000 years ago started building 
pyramids, cave structures, is either one or certainly maybe the second solar maximum before the reversal, certainly the one just before it, it was so bad, they probably had multiple Carrington events. The Carrington event was an X45 flare and probably multiples. I don't know how many, but could be a couple every month or once a month. The sun will be that bad. We might have, I'm giving a 10 to 20% chance we're gonna have a, a Carrington event in this solar cycle in 224. And we've already had some X1s and an X2.2, which knocked out radio communications in Australia and in Southeast Asia. <clears throat> so I think that's what made them start building earthen pyramids and cave shelters is because they saw the aurora borealis down near the equator and they said, hmm, this isn't normal. I think we're in trouble. And they, they had to have known it was getting warmer also. And they must have realized, I think it's time. We're, our sun is going to do something very bad. We better wind up building shelters real fast. This is where it gets interesting. Now, I'm saying the reversal is going to happen 2046. And that's between, that's that between September and December 2046. That's when I estimate the next Gleisberg cycle is going to hit. On the left-hand side, God actually gave us the year. He also gave us the month and day. I go through that in video series, I think it's six on Moses 10 code system. It's in part two. When you add up between, but from Adam to Abraham, when they had their, well, most of them, their first kid, Adam, it's his third kid. Look what number it totals, 2046. The first time the Torah mentions anything is the most important. <clears throat> they wind up mentioning month and day when the skies opened up, the story of Noah says the second month, the 17th day. I won't go through how, how I figured this one out, but it turns out to be October 16th. So I had a date. I had this was I discovered this stuff in 1994. So I had a date, and I knew the year because that's when the next Fleisberg cycle was. I didn't find this thing in the, the, the Genesis story until a few years later. This is a solar flare. This is from, this is not from the Carrington event, but this is what a Carrington event is probably going to look like. You're going to have Aurora Borealis really low on the horizon. I mean, down to maybe Florida, we'll see it. They did on the Aurora Borealis in, in the Carrington event, they saw it down by Cuba and the Mediterranean, and the um, Aurora Borealis in case you folks in the uh, in the near the equator never saw it. It's also called God Chandelier. I actually had a dream about that. These are two pictures of our sun behaving badly. Solar flare of April 2022. Not too long ago. This is the one I think that hit Australia. You can see it's pretty big. That's the one on the right hand side. Left hand side. I don't know when this picture was taken but it does not look good. I didn't produce this, somebody else did, as cute as anything. What has the most influence on, the, on our climate? Now that little green thing there, that spot there, that's our earth, that's in size of proportion to the sun. And 
do you think the, the ants on that speck of dust has an influence on, on global warming? No, it's the sun. This is an IQ test. If you're too stupid to understand this, instead, you're thoroughly brainwashed by governments that think global warming is caused by your car, your hibachi, um, you breathing too much and cow farts. You're too stupid for this discussion at all. You're going to become like the dinosaurs extinct and you should be. You're too stupid to survive. I've shown this a number of times, even though I don't blame the CIA. I'll have to explain this. <clears throat> this is from a quote from William Casey, director of the CIA under Reagan. And this took place in the first meeting that Reagan administration had when he took office. <clears throat> this is 1981. We'll know our disinformation program is complete when everything the American public believes is false. <clears throat> the cute line in the Bible, read it again, let it sink in good and hard into your head, that is. Now, Nixon's the one who gave the job to keep this thing a secret to the CIA. I feel bad for the agency. They shouldn't have gotten this project because they do what spy agencies do. They, they lie and deceit to get information out of people. But you shouldn't do that with the science community. So in essence, what happened, they must have been the one directing where or to build these, these they call them dumbs for good reason. <clears throat> They're the bunkers, the, the survival bunkers. And it's because they, once you, you alter the science and you prevent scientists from getting grant money from the uh, National Science Foundation, they were in control of it, by the way, <clears throat> them and the Defense Department, then you only, you only pay for research that will give you the answer you want and keep people away from the idea of the sun moving. And that's what they did. Nixon should have given this project to NASA, NOAA, and USGS, which is U.S. Geological Service Survey. They should have done this themselves. And separate, they may not have put all the pieces together, but it would have worked a lot better. They wouldn't have wasted $21 trillion in building these cave shelters in the wrong place. That's the problem. But I don't blame the CIA what they did. They do what a spy agency does, but they made a mistake, a very costly one, <coughs> So now we have 24 years and seven or so months, six months before this reversal happens. We have a bunch of Carrington events. I don't know how much equipment is going to be working and will we be able to put this thing together in time? Now, I'm pretty sure I know that Europeans didn't figure this thing out about the sun until much later, about four or five years after the Americans figured it out. And I still don't know if they realize what's going to happen to Europe during this event happens. In short, you're going to be buried under many, many feet of glacial ice and snow. And nobody made it last time. Nobody lived there for, you know, 500, maybe a thousand years until, until finally that snow melted <clears throat> and ice melted. That what I've told people is in one of the videos, in uh, video series four, part six, where to go, where's the best places to go. The Europeans are going to have to wind up going towards Africa 
within 15 degrees north and south. And uh, otherwise, you're not going to survive this thing. I mean, you may survive in the cave, the Nova. You may survive some of the earthquakes, but you're going to be buried under thousands of feet of ice and snow. How do you get out? The same thing goes for the whole East Coast of the United States. Don't feel bad. You're not alone. That, that's the problem. That's my... Uh, Guys, book is when I put the whole thing together. This is uh, 2007. And I didn't put the whole thing together. So I think I answered most of your questions. So do you have any additional ones? Or are you basically scared stiff and trembling in your boots? Uh, thank you. Thank you so much for your presentation. We still have questions. Uh, so uh, the first one is about this phenomenon of micronova, um, because we recently saw that uh, it become part of scientific discussion and it's uh, some papers uh, were published and uh, maybe you have seen these works and can comment on them. And more accurately, you can call it a solar flare or one of those cycles. There's, there's a 500 and some odd year cycle. There's a, looks like there could be a, a 3,017 year cycle and the sun behaves badly. And uh, uh, in fact, at the time of, of uh, Joseph and the drought, it was a Gleisberg cycle as well as one of those 500 or 1,000 year cycles. At the same time, it was really bad worldwide. So again, it was back to the sun. There is no such thing as a micronova. I don't know why it showed up. And I think it, I think that was a technique that Thomas Gold, who had a contract with NASA, he was the one examining the material that came back from the sun. His job was to figure out why these small uh, craters that had glass on the sides, uh, what formed it. And we said a near nova uh, or solar outbursts could wind up causing it would answer the whole thing. And shortly thereafter, NASA canceled this contract. He said something they did not want out. <clears throat> and so anyway, there is no such thing as a micronova. It's a nova, period. Now, some novas are a lot more, lot more destructive than others because we don't know how many other clock cycles are going on here. And there, there seems to be some major ones where there's a real major kill off of life on the planet. We've had two or three of them already. Thank you Next. so much. And we know <coughs> that we are in, right now in the grand solar minimum, the same as it was in Mounda minimum. Uh, why is it happening on your opinion? We got two years still to go by my calculations. And it's not going to be anything but minimum. I think within a year, you're going to see a lot of guys, astronomers saying, this doesn't look like minimum at all. The sun is too active now. It's not going to be what we thought. But I think I answer your question. It's more disinformation. Remember, their job is not to create public panic. And I don't blame them on that. I don't want to create public panic. That's why I don't do too many of these interviews. Yeah, and uh, you also mentioned uh, on your presentation, and maybe you can elaborate uh, more on that. Uh, why do you think we've seen the increase in seismic and volcanic activity right now? Like I explained, it's you have a clock cycle, multiple collapsing magnetic fields, which are really contain information. And 
during a sunspot cycle was happening in the center of the sun is also happening in the center of the earth also. And I actually noticed that 1980s, uh, I basically, we used to get from Noah a, a uh, mail to us, a uh, monthly basis, solar activity. It had not just the number of sunspots, but also the area of the sunspots. So, and I also got stuff from USGS when it was how many earthquakes we've had of all types. So I plotted the two together. And what I noticed, I had to lay it out on my living room floor, these two tractor feeds. And I lined it up and I realized about, depending if it was sunspot maximum, if I had a big solar flare activity uh, on January, about five or six months later, it'd be a big increase in earthquakes. If it was sunspot minimum, it was like more like eight or eight months or so, it took longer. And what's happening, you got an increase in energy in the center of the earth and the heat percolates through the inner core, the outer core, the mantle, and then finally gets between the crust and, and that area. And then you wind up having a case where it's just hotter underneath the crust, more liquid, and you then have more volcanoes and you have more earthquakes because the plates are able to move easier. It just takes time to percolate the spike of energy to go through the core all up to when it gets to the crust of the earth. It takes time. All right. And um, maybe also you can explain why it's um, happening in a magnetic field excursion. Uh, so why it began in 1990. Uh, you have to think in terms of electronics again. And, and that may be the problem for most people. They don't know anything about electronics. When you have a collapsing magnetic field, 90 degrees out of phase from it is you create voltage, electrons. The same thing's going on here. We have a clock cycle. You look at it as a big square wave, modified square wave, modified by e to the x natural log. So it's towards the end of the cycle. So the magnetic field is collapsing and it's moving. I showed you that. And that's the issue. That's what creates it. It's because the answer to your question is because we're the end of the cycle, the end of days. What's interesting about end of days, it looks like when David chose Jerusalem as his capital, the 3000 year anniversary was in 1996. <clears throat> My family went to Israel for the occasion. And exactly 50 years from then, is the polar reversal. You like that? Now, there's a lot more things that happen when I figured out the drop dead date and you go back in time every 12,068 days, something important happened. That's in video series seven. I suggest everybody watch it. There's no logical explanation other than what I discovered by accident. But yeah, I mean, the operating system evidently makes sure Things happen the way he wants them to. But to answer your question directly, it's we have a collective magnetic field because it's the end of the cycle. Simple as that. Main clock cycle, unfortunately. Yes, thank you so much. And based on the data of the temperatures, CO2 and ice core data, we clearly see uh, 100. <coughs> thousand year cycle but a 12,000 year cycle 
not clearly observed. Why do you think is that? And um, we also know that recently scientists have identified 12,000 uh, year cycle using the convulsion based on methane content cores. The, uh, the dating, the only good dating is really carbon-14 dating. That's if they don't modify for what they were doing. But um, I've read the journals also, a bunch of them, and they were carbon-14 dating, or they would estimate dating of these black bands of more recent, of 12,000 12, years, not, not 500,000. I mean, you really think that ice was there for that long? No. It's like them saying, I'll tell you some of the height of stupidity. They, they discovered by ground penetrating radar from a plane, a uh, remnant of a meteor impact in uh, Greenland was in Iceland. And uh, it was Greenland. And uh, uh, they were saying, this is the thing that caused the uh, last cataclysm 12,000 years ago. And it's obviously not true at all. Any, any geologist would tell you that because there's a riverbed that it hit and that riverbed existed after it hit and filled it up with sediment. I mean, I saw the uh, ground penetrating radar of the ground also. Now, how, uh, how many years ago do you think um, Greenland was, had no snow on it and had a river running through it. How many years ago do you think? Think 12,000? Try millions of years ago. This, this meteor hit there, hit where a riverbed was, and the riverbed filled up the whole, well, partially filled up the whole later. It wasn't 12,000 years ago. Any, any geologist, sedimentary geologist, will tell you the same. It just can't be. Why they try to pin it on that is either out of tremendous ignorance, which I think is most of the cases here, or they are lying and they know what it really says. But it's probably just pure ignorance. They didn't read enough. They're not thinking this thing out. They didn't notice uh, the riverbed that was hit. Yeah, it's exactly. It's uh, also very um, interesting that you, all, you mentioned in your presentation and uh, that, uh, for example, now the consideration of CO2 is the atmosphere is growing, but it's not due to human activity and for natural uh, reasons. And it turned out that uh, a recycle in the past, uh, there was increase in this concentration of CO2s. But um, now we find data that uh, on ice cores, um, data may be falsified. And uh, maybe have you met information that in past cycles, there was even uh, as much CO2 as it now, uh, in that atmosphere, or maybe even more? Well, I mentioned that if you have a, uh, the sun that novas, whatever's on the sun side when it novas, and the Earth stopped at rotation, is going to burn, which means you're going to have an increase in carbon dioxide and carbon monoxide. The same thing goes for volcanoes going off like mad, and that produces a lot of CO2 and other stuff. Fortunately, the oceans are the ones who absorb most of the CO2. So, but it, that's that's why they have a spike of it. Yes, the, the reasons that you explained, but uh, just looking for the sources, maybe some uh, uh, other scientists mentioned that there was as much CO2 
uh, concentration um, uh, as it now? So I've seen I've seen journal articles, not that many, um, but I haven't looked for that that particular thing. But um, it, it's like this: if you don't consider the sun and know that the sun novas, then you're going to come up with every explanation you possibly can why there's a, an increase in CO2. Now, the one who caused this whole problem is Robert Boucher from Lamont Doherty. He's now dead. He's the father of blaming CO2 for global warming. I've mentioned it in my videos. I have his journal article. No place in his journal article does he mention the sun at all as an influence on weather or temperature. And a scientist came up with a, did a journal article about two years later. He said there was over a thousand journal articles showing the link between sun, earth, uh, weather. So if you know, Lamont already is part of Columbia University, highly influenced by the CIA. What you're looking at is pure disinformation. He is the father of it. Robert ba William Boucher. You can read, you'll watch my video. It's a video series for someplace and you'll, you'll see it. You'll see the article. If you want me to send you a copy, send me an email and I'll send you the copy. You'll see never mentioned the sun once. That's a red flag. I'll tell you right off the bat. This is crap. This is not re science research. This is propaganda, disinformation. Yes, and thank you so much for mentioning that. We will definitely uh, look more into that. Who started all this CO2 lies? You also mentioned, and uh, it would be great if you could elaborate on that, that um, actually nature itself emits CO2. We know that swamps emit CO2, trees, and oceans release a lot of CO2. And um, maybe you know that it's happening due to cyclical changes, and it happened as well in the past. Have you encountered such information? In, in more recent periods of time, every time there's a sunspot maximum, ocean temperatures go up from three to five degrees centigrade around the equator. I mean, that's well known. And that's why you have an increase in uh, hurricanes, uh, typhoons, and stuff like that. It's all because of the ocean wars gets heated up. The only heat source of the ocean is the sun. That's it. Uh, you know, th there was a study also done by solar luminosity as five ways of measuring it. One of them is, is the reflected light off of not just the moon, but um, the outer planets. And they've been measuring that. And it also goes up during sunspot maximum. But overall, the light increase has been increasing since the last iceberg cycle. There's lots of ways to prove that the sun's output has been increasing. But they don't want to point there. Remember, the whole idea when, when we, the United States, went to the moon, two months after they brought the samples back in 69, the, the astronauts had the news conference two months later. They looked like they were at a funeral. Three of these guys, two of these guys were on the moon, and they looked like they were at a funeral. You have to ask yourself why. It's because at that point, they must have been told the real reason why they were. Don't talk about what you were walking on. 
probably crushed glass. They know it was a crunch, 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 you know, and because it was melted, fast, fast melted, busted glass beads. Within 30 days of that news conference, Nixon produced executive order 11,490. I have it. You can also download it from the government site and read it. That's the beginning of it. So you have the cause, you have the effect government-wide, the executive order that started. There was a number of presidents after that. I've, I've read their executive orders. So I know the sequence of events and I know they can't lie to me because I've read this stuff. We also wanted to mention that we uh, make our research as well and we talk to scientists. We know that the speed of rotation of the Earth is changing. The centrifugal force of the planet rotation increases and the magma begins to rise from the depth. planet is expanding and uh, we see that number of earthquakes and eruptions is increasing. Due to changes in the Earth's core, the, mag the magnetic field is weakening and... Um, have you uh, heard information because we encounter this information really much that actually uh, heat is being released from the bowels of the earth and it heats up the oceans that the oceans gets heats up from the bottom up not uh, due to solar activity but actually from the depth of the earth have you heard that kind of information uh some parts of it i have i have heard of but Basically, it's it's all we covered this already. One, you have to look at you have a collapsing magnetic field going on in the center of the Earth, which produces on the other side of it voltage. I covered this in um, video series one, I think part eleven or part ten, and it's the voltage, the free voltage that's created from this center modulation point is the thing that radiates out from the center of the, the this modulation point. And that's the electrons, are, the free electrons are the thing that heats up the matter that causes this issue. But so it, I, I know, I don't really understand. You got two questions there. You got one about the ocean. You got one about uh, the heat source at the center of the earth. Which one do you want me to answer first? Or, or it's actually one all... of them? related to each other because uh, we understand that uh, magma rises from the depth and um, since it rises it uh, the oceans are heating up and we know that western antarctica is melting from the bottom up due to volcanic activity beneath it we know uh, uh, we have information <coughs> about many underwater volcanoes and uh, maybe you encounter that information well i covered that before the volcanoes are, are caused, the increase in volcanic activity is caused by, again, this heat source, the center modulation point in the center of the earth is heating up, just like in the center of the sun. And it takes time for it to percolate up. And the one of the results is both earthquakes as well as volcanoes, like I covered. So, like I said, it's an easy, once you see a phenomenon and you have the correct philosophy, you know where to fit it. They don't know where to fit these things. To them, it's a loose, chaotic mess that's happening. It's Dante's Inferno when they can't put all the pieces together. That's the problem. The education system basically institutionalizes stupidity. It does a great job of it, though. And you have to spend thousands to get a degree. 
And in some subjects, the degree isn't worth the paper is printed on because much of what they teach you is wrong. A few of the guys, like the biggest ones in physics, been doing it all, their whole life. They knew, they knew something was wrong. But now everybody's in lockstep because they want the grant money because the school administrators <coughs> insist on it. They want the money. But like I covered, yes, there are a lot of volcanoes in the ocean, probably more than it's on the surface of the earth. And, but it's still not enough to heat up that volume of water. Some of these, the ocean is in the Pacific is like two to three miles deep. And it's a very limited area that could heat it up. But it's the sun is the main heating source of the, it's called sea surface temperature. SST is sometimes abbreviated. And it's all caused by the sun, nothing else. Thank you for sharing. I just wanted to mention that uh, for this past uh, five months, we've been pre preparing for the next forum. And we're going to show their um, short video about 10 or 15 minutes about heating of the oceans. And if you're interested, we can also share a link with you later after the forum to watch this video. Well, if it's possible, I'll see what I'm doing. I'd still like to finish my volume four on the prophets and the priests. I really would like to finish it. Yeah. Yes, actually, um, another question uh, that we have, maybe you can tell more, uh, more in detail about uh, deposits. Um, of glaciers that are indicate uh, a cycle of 12,000 years. So oh, I, and, uh, I, I covered that. I covered it. The, the right. sun's output is melting them worldwide, including uh, South Pole. I came across a journal article that has said before the last reversal, the water level in Florida was about a foot higher than it currently is. So a lot of water does evaporate. Melt yeah, in the glaciers in the South Pole, Greenland, Iceland, wherever. It, it doesn't matter. It's a simple mechanism. You expect it. This is what's going to happen. That's why I showed that graph about temperature and sea level going up. <clears throat> this is a normal thing. I expect it. But you can't do anything about it. It has nothing to do with mankind. If there was nobody on the planet, it's still been going on. It, we're seeing this thing happen on other planets in our solar system. There's nobody there. They're not driving any cars. So, I mean, I'm telling you, you have to fish through the disinformation that's created. Government wants money by taxing you for because you're hurting mommy earth. Fortunately, daddy's son is going to get rid of them real fast. But by then, it's going to be too late for them, too. The bureaucrats have done something incredibly stupid that hurts themselves more than as well as the rest of us. And I, I don't know what to say. <clears throat> it's like I woke up in the insane asylum and the patients have taken over. And taken over academia, too. Like I said, they've institutionalized stupidity for the one purpose of gaining money. 
from government, usually, and tuition. <laughs> what else do I say? I mean, this is the end of days, literally. And I'm basically trying to help people so they save their lives, so somebody can save their lives. I mean, I'm one voice. Uh, Die Hole Foundation is a, a nonprofit science foundation. We're doing the best we can, but it's um, a lot of headwinds, a lot of stupid people, and, and people who don't want this thing to be known. And thank you so much for doing everything that you do. And uh, this is so great that you're here with us. We actually wanted to express um, our huge honor for the fact that you are not afraid and you speak up and tell the truth openly. The truth that uh, this the climate is changing not due to CO2, but um, due to natural uh, cycles. And you're talking about 12,000 year cycle. And this is exactly what we are um, researching and um, trying to convey to people as well. And thank you so much for your courage and to, for being so brave. Um, thank you so much from all of us. Thank you for inviting me. We wanted to ask about uh, volcanic eruptions. Um, which volcanic eruptions do you know uh, happened in previous cycles, like 12,000 years ago, uh, 24th, 36th, right? And yeah. are there that, uh, yeah. any works about the, the position of ash from these eruptions in the ice cores? Well, yeah, I, we, well, we showed that. I mean, the, there will be some, gla uh, some volcanic material in the, in the ice cores. And maybe that one that was shown on the left-hand side of the screen had not just the, the material from the dust shell hitting the Earth, but also from volcanoes going off. I don't know where they got that sample from. If it was from Antarctica, they do have volcanoes there. And there are some uh, towards the southern part of South America, in Chile and Argentina. Assume most of the volcanoes that erupted 12,000 years ago will do it again for an encore. Yeah, so... Fortunately, due to uh, mainstream uh, scientific consensus about um, yeah, CO2 and human-made, it's pretty hard to find the articles and uh, hard to talk to scientists who are actually... can And the scientists themselves, it's pretty hard to yeah, explain the theories and they uh, came up with this. Yeah, and, and for, for example, you also mentioned uh, about catastrophic events uh, happening on other planets on, uh, of the solar system. Maybe, uh, can you um, also tell us more about, or maybe there are some scientific research about it, or uh, who from the scientists talk about it? There are some journal articles that have been published <coughs> that, that show that they think some ice is melting both on Mars and Neptune and some other of the outer planets. But uh, the, that ice is, I think, um, methane and stuff like that ice. So it melted a much lower, mel lower temperature than what we have. But uh, I think you probably have to, I haven't actively gone to look for that kind of journal articles. I pick them up occasionally. I get the journal Nature and Science. But <clears throat> it's right now, if I was writing a, another book on the cause of the ice age and polar reversals, I would obviously get into it, but it, it's really unimportant. The, you, have to, you have to realize when you do research 
when you have this much evidence, at some point you stop and say, I think I've proven it beyond a reasonable doubt. I mean, we're living it. It's happening in front of us. A huge increase in volcanic activity, as well as it's getting warmer and the sun's producing X1 and X2 flares. I mean, I don't remember that. The last sunspot cycle, the one before that, doing that just so many years before the event. <clears throat> so you have to wake up and realize something else is going on. Now, I have already covered and in essence, verbally beaten up academia enough. They know they've made a mistake. Um, I've been told by people, one that was his cousin who was an astronomer, University of Alaska, back in, wrote me a letter in 1979. And I mentioned it and showed it in a couple of my videos. And I think I know who his cousin is and which articles he wrote about Jupiter. <clears throat> They said, he said, told Ken, uh, a number of scientists know that our son Novus, and they don't talk about it. And he said that was the purpose of the space program, which is true, and, and, the, and everything else. Some of them do know it, and they're not going to say a word to you unless until they retire uh, or die because it's too scary and they don't want to, they don't call it public panic. Even by just saying the sun novas doesn't mean it's going to cause public panic. When you give it a date when it's going to happen, then you're bordering on that, which is unfortunately I I had to in order to prove my theory to wake people up. Really trying to wake up some people in, in the bureaucracy to wake up. They got to do something different. We completely agree with you on that. And that's why we do what we do. <clears throat> also trying to wake people up, spreading information as much as possible. And I think we all moving in the right direction. And uh, also wanted to um, ask you and elaborate on the topic of um, car uh, carbon 14 deposits. Um, you were saying, you were mentioned in your works that they are incorrectly dated. Can you share with us more information on that? Yeah, I showed the, uh, the graphs, the uh, tables I had developed from hundreds or Actually, a thousand or so journal articles I've collected, but there was hundreds just on the carbon fourteen dating stuff. It could have, I could have had a thousand on carbon fourteen dating worldwide. But what's the point? At some point, you realize you've proven it. The evidence is all around us, literally. When you when you stand outside, the ground below your feet, if you dig down enough, is the evidence of what happened. It's as simple as that. It's, it's all around us that these cycles happen. The carbon-14 dating is just a part of it, and you have to be smart enough to look and do the carbon-14 dating of an organic material you find 10, 20, or 30 feet down. Same thing goes for if you find these microtactites, you have to know to try to get, <clears throat> see if it's radioactive materials in it, elements, and also fission tracks. You have to know to do it, though. Yeah. And um, one question about cyclicality, well, one of the last qu questions about um, cyclicality. So um, 
you mentioned that there are, of course, uh, past cycles that are happening and uh, the Earth uh, was surviving this uh, cycle. So uh, people survived, as uh, we see now. And uh, actually, uh, right now, our planet is not in the best condition because we practically killed that uh, with... Uh, a lot of things with um, if you look for the forest if you uh, look <coughs> what is happening with swamps uh, what is happening with the ocean uh, how much tr trash are in there and maybe in your opinion can the ecological situation on our planet affect um, the uh, events associated with cyclical nature and could something happen that this time uh, just is the worst case scenario for the planet well, number one, the assumption that we're killing the planet is more of the dis disinformation. And uh, we aren't killing the planet. What they did 12,000 years ago, we really don't know. We have some of the structures, these megalithic structures that they built that the oceans couldn't wash away. So we see them. So we really don't know. A lot of it's just pure guesswork. But... Um, the event itself, I'll give you an analogy. You're basically swallowing what they were saying, I mean, government is saying, that man is, it's a Malthusian philosophy. I'll repeat that, Malthusian philosophy, that man is the interloper in nature. We should kill ourselves off because mommy earth and the planets and the, the, the animals are dying because of us. That's a Malthusian philosophy. In reality, in truth, this thing was created for us to wind up working out what we have to work out. <clears throat> so I think you have to look at it like that and realize a lot of the stuff you're reading or seeing is disinformation, also information out of ignorance because the scientist, in quotes, doesn't know better or that's what he was taught in school. And he was thoroughly brainwashed also, like most of the cases. I think what people find when they see my stuff, I, I am brutally honest, and maybe the, the Prussian in me, uh, that I can't, I'm not going to lie. And people say, like you were saying, I'm brave in doing this. I don't see any bravery in it. What's the, why to be brave to tell the truth of what you've discovered? What's the point? Um, if you see something that's wrong or evil, you should say it. Tell people. Nobody's going to do anything to you. Nobody's going to do anything to me. So, you know, you see what I'm getting at? Don't go with the assumption that man is evil. We're doing horrible things to the planet. No, the planet does its own thing. Yes, we do bulldozing. We cut trees down. So what? The trees grow. You plant the trees and they, they grow again. I live in Washington State. I had Douglas fir in my backyard growing like weeds. I mean, they grow. If the climate is right and they have enough water, the plants are going to grow whether you like it or not. Um, anyone who has to uh, deal with weeds in their yard know exactly what I'm talking about. So uh, a lot of it, you have to fish through the, the nonsense and the disinformation. Unfortunately, government is the one who holds the purse strings of what research is being done. And that's just not the United States, it's in Europe, all over the world, except in some countries, I don't think they invest anything in research, but 
you've got followers all over the world. This is maybe the first time they've heard any of this stuff. And they're probably not too happy to hear this stuff and probably scared stiff. Some of them once they actually see that the thing, but uh, I want to say that every single one of us humans on the planet is a, is a descendant of a few people who survived it on this planet 12,000 years ago. You can survive it. I just want to give them a better chance at surviving it, where they should build it, what they should be building to survive this thing. It is a, a terrible event. It is tremendous hardship for the survivors to live through this event. But you can do it. They have to do it. There won't be anybody. Man could become extinct. <clears throat> exactly. We may extinct. And you actually so beautifully said that when you hear the lies, when you see the evil, you need to act right away. You need to tell the truth. And you see nothing brave in that. But we, for example, uh, we know that uh, you should have courage and braveness in order to do that because we see so many scientists are uh, okay to have money to, to tell lies to people and they exactly don't have this courage to step up and tell the truth and that's why uh, it is uh, so um, inspiring what you do and uh, we encourage all people to do that. The, in academia, I understand a lot of the scientists' problems. It's a job. They, they go to work. The school is in the business of selling a degree. They can't want to find their students. Uh, guess what? Half or all of what we're teaching is wrong. But you're going to give us $20,000 or $30,000 a, a semester or a year so we can fill your head with nonsense that we know half of it is wrong. They can't do that. And on top of it, the government uses academia for their own political purposes. He who pays the piper plays the tune. If government is the one who winds up uh, giving the grant money for science research, but it's like the CIA and other government decides who's going to get the research, then I showed it in one of the videos, in one of my videos, comparing the journal Science, which was published in the United States, and the publisher of Nature in England, and Comparing the fission tracks, we're at fission tracks, very few in the United States, four or 500 in Europe. <clears throat> and same thing go with solar flares, same thing. You got a controlled uh, science community, and that's the mistake that the agency has made. They, they fooled themselves is all they've done. And I feel bad for them, and I feel bad for the country, and the taxpayers that had to foot the bill for this thing. Will academia and the professors wake up and say, okay, we got a drop dead date of October, 2046. Does any of this we're doing matter at all? You know, kissing up the government to keep it quiet or should we tell them to go F themselves? That's an expletive, I didn't mention it. They can go to hell and we just tell the truth what we know. That would be nice if we saw that, but I'm not too sure we're gonna see that because a lot of people's degrees and egos 
are wrapped up in that cheap skin that's that nailed on their wall. That's the degree. It used to be a sheepskin, by the way, because the ruling class looked at the rest of us like sheep. That's why they used to do it on a sheepskin. I'm not kidding. That's the reason why. <clears throat> so, you know, that's it. I, I don't have much hope for, for them uh, at all because of man's ego and, and money. It's, it's amazing how fast they sell their souls. Your turn. Yeah, it's uh, really actually um, exactly so when you really understand in which situation uh, our current scientific community um, is now and uh, how they are actually locked uh, by funding and who decides uh, where in which uh, project this uh, money will go. And uh, of course, you will talk only about mainstream, about uh, something that was really applied for something, a call for some particular research. So you don't actually invent uh, or um, you cannot come up with an idea and, uh, and just get funding for that, but you apply for something. And that's exactly uh, why you also mentioned that people start talking about things about uh, only when they go on pension already and when, when they're already retired and um, they maybe just started talking about these 12, 70 years cycles about all these things that they saw, but they could not uh, talk about it. And the last question is exactly how important is it it is to unite scientific community in order to combine our efforts, combine our scientific potential, <clears throat> human potential, to study the cyclical nature of cataclysm of 12,000 years cycle. Okay, for your, for your own organization, of what's the importance of it? One, this event affects every living thing on the planet. I don't mean that figuratively, man, all the animals, everything. Uh, uh, in the videos I have in video series four, parts five and six, I, I try to go through the best places I can figure out where to go to survive this thing. For you Europeans, you're going to head south. You're going to go, you'll have to build stuff in Africa, even though the Indian Ocean, a longitude running probably through Nova Zimbla area, is probably going to be high noon when this sun novas. Now, that's my guess, an educated guess, but it does look like that. And there is only one way to know for sure, and that I'll only share with the DOD. But um, for your own people, I don't know, telling government officials in countries that don't know anything about this, and they'll take the references of them from scientists that graduate from their school or someplace like that, and they'll say, no, he's full of it. And they'll, they'll discount what I said. Now, it will change definitely if we start having one or two Carrington events in this sunspot cycle by 2024 around there, year uh, before or after, and definitely 2035. We're going to have multiple Carrington events and you've got to be as dumb as a slug to not know something terrible is about to happen to the sun. By then, it'll be too late because I don't even know how well plants will, will grow and what kind of electrical equipment will be working. Uh, 
the grids will be down and hopefully the mining equipment will still be working. Douglas, thank you so much for this wonderful conversation today. It was um, so interesting and uh, we're really grateful for you for this information and completely agree with you with the fact that we actually on the verge of catastrophe. We need to wake people up and uh, we need to act already now and how important it is indeed to unite our scientific potential in order to find the true cause of climate change and to actually unite whole um, community for humanity in order to survive. We understand that we can survive only together and we understand that we still have this chance. This is not too late to actually unite our efforts and do something about it, to adapt, to actually create solutions together and to withstand climate change that are about to happen. And um, thank you so much for speaking openly and telling the truth and we believe that together we can convey this information to more and more people only when more people will join then we will be able to implement it in a global scale and we believe that it's truly possible thank you so much and i give the floor to alex yeah i also would like to thank you and because uh, every person is actually an example an example of uh, not only talking about uh, things, but also acting. And um, our action, our common action as Creative Society Project is International Online Forum, Global Crisis. We are people, we want to live, which is interpreted in 100 languages of simultaneous interpretation. The purpose of the forum is to truthfully and objectively inform people about the increasing danger of uh, climate, about environmental disasters, to reflect the real state in the real scale of multiple crises of uh, our consumerist format. And only not on, mm, talk about crises, but also consider practical solutions, answers, um, in, and overcome all this crisis, but by building creative society, by implementing what all the prophets are talked about, what uh, every person actually wants. And it's really natural, a world without a world uh, full of love and exactly this is real action that everyone can do not only listen but to start acting and start implementing that and i invite everyone to visit our website creativesociety.com uh, to join the project and get in contact with us or if you have any questions write email to us at info at creativesociety.com so thank you for being with us today and see you soon we hear reassuring speeches that if we do away with fossil fuels, the temperature increase can be kept within 1.5 degrees for the next 100 years. Unfortunately, we don't have that time. The truth is that humanity doesn't even have 10 years to spare. And right now, we can't influence the true causes of climate change. After all, the reason for that lie in 12,000 year cycle of catastrophes caused by galactic interactions. Do you have an idea how serious this is? The cycle of terrible cataclysms, which the Earth now has to go through, occurs on the planet every 12,000 years. And it has been described by various researchers in many scientific works and books.
Earth's core creates a magnetic field. The Earth's magnetic poles are movable. Their sudden shift is called geomagnetic excursion. And note in which time intervals such excursions took place over the last 120,000 years. The interval between them is approximately 12 to 13,000 years. It is shocking that at the same time, there were sharp rises in world sea level, glaciation, and the strongest volcanic eruptions. Each time during such excursions, the magnetic field of the Earth became 8 to 10 times weaker, and this led to an increase in the flux of cosmic radiation. Modern science cannot explain why geomagnetic excursions coincide with dramatic climate change and glaciations. At the end of 20th century, Hartmut Heinrich did a great study. He collected data on the bottom sediment of seas, lakes, and rivers. And using them, he reconstructed all the dramatic temperature changes over the past 100,000 years. These changes were called Heinrich events. Each such cycle corresponds to a short period of glaciation, preceded by a sharp warming of the planet by 8 to 10 degrees Celsius. Dating the Heinrich events, Sydney Hemming in 2004 published her version of the periodicity of the abrupt temperature changes where the events of the 12,000-year cycle clearly stand out. Geologists have also studied organic material from sediments over the past 75,000 years, which indicate the periodicity of the melting of massive glaciers. Douglas Vogt, geologist, has analyzed the carbon-14 dating of sediments and listed the works supporting this glaciation in his book. The data obtained irrefutably prove that glacial periods have cyclicity of about 12,000 years. It is known that over the past 100,000 years, as a result of melting glaciers, the level of the world's ocean has changed dramatically by 20 to 50 meters many times. This was reflected in the sediment of marine flooding. And also geologists recorded that over the past 2 million years, simultaneously with the glacial periods and polar inversions, there was an increase in volcanic activity. Another proof of the 12,000-year cycle was the eruption of the Toba volcano 72 to 74,000 years ago. It was one of the strongest eruptions on Earth in the past 25 million years. Archaeologists believe that across the whole planet, only 2 to 10,000 people survived in this catastrophe, and that humanity passed through a so-called bottleneck. In other words, it was one step away from extinction. The most destructive volcanic eruption in history, which occurred in other 12 millennial cycles, were the eruption of Phlegrian Fields, Taupo Volcano in New Zealand, Lock Volcano in Europe, Mount Vesuvius, Santorini, Ira, and many others. Such is the cycle of 12,000-year cataclysm in its apogee. And this time, it will be stronger than usual because it falls on a difficult period of time when a very sick planet, which we ecologically tormented, is added to a 24,000-year cycle. We have already faced a ruthless enemy that is destroying us. We have no time to continue staying idle as the synchronization and cascade of the ongoing cataclysms is growing inexorably. We need to find a solution on how to put up a defense against our only external enemy. The enemy is strong, therefore all the power of uniting 8 billion people is needed. 
We need to use all our scientific potential, but this is impossible in the format of consumer society we have now. Today, science serves private capital, not the salvation of humankind. That is why we so urgently need the format of creative society, where it is not the private interest that will dominate, but our common human interest that will. We must hurry to unite and mobilize all scientists. All scientific, technical, and intellectual potential needs to be invested in one task. Finding solutions to counter the impact of cyclicality since every action has its counteraction. We will be able to find a solution to avoiding climate collapse and to humankind's survival only when all of humanity consolidates. The choice is up to us. It's up to each one of us. It's up to you.